I I like to continue with our devotional, and I have the privilege of bringing God's word to us this morning, and I'll be sharing uh, from the scriptures what I would like to title "Dying to Self." Dying to self. It's a it's a popular phrase that is used in Christian circles. So we'll be examining that this morning. Let's take a, a look at it. Uh, let's see what we can glean from God's word regarding this. Um, I'll be reading my, I'll be taking my text from the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 4. Colossians chapter 3 from verses 1 to 4. I read. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Glory to God. I would like to read it from the, the Passion Translation. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. Glory to God. Dying to self. Um, you know, when, when, we, when we become adults or when we get to what we call the age of accountability, we begin to take more and more personal responsibility for our own lives. Progressively and over time, we find that we, we take a lot more control of our decisions, of our choices, you know. So, for instance, at a particular stage or phase in your life, you probably had no control over the school you attend, you know, where you're born, the parents that, you are, that, uh, that gives birth to you. But after a while, you start to exert a lot more control over your life and over your own destiny. And every maturing adult in reality should, should do that. You should take responsibility for your life. You should take responsibility for your own future. You should be able to own your own decisions. And when you 
when you take a decision, you should be able to stand by it. You should gain more and more control over your own life progressively. So what it means is that as we grow older, you know, as we become more and more independent, we, we begin to establish a measure of control for our lives and our pursuits, you know. But you see, um, there comes a point in time where exerting control over your life and your personal responsibilities, instead of becoming um, a very positive thing, actually in Christ, after a while, it starts to become a bit of a, a counterproductive thing. How do I mean? You're asking me, Pastor, what, is, what are you talking about? Isn't it good to exercise control? We will realize that in Christ, you know, we're actually meant to relinquish a bit of that control. Amen. In Christ, you are not supposed to be the one totally and fully in control of everything that you do. That's why God is your Lord. That's why we have uh, the concept of lordship. That means there's someone we're answerable to. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. That means what we do, how we do what we do, is not completely and shouldn't completely depend on us. Glory to his name. In fact, the very idea or the very concept of grace seems to uh, give uh, an impression or a perception of control that is not total. Glory to God. You know, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon yourself. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He tells you to take his yoke upon yourself. And that yoking means, it's like, you know, how two animals are, are hooked together so that they can perform a function and make it relatively easier for each one of them independently. So you realize that you're not the one that should be totally in control. Amen. In fact, as a matter of fact, you, you will see that, you know, when we're talking about grace, it seems to give an impression of you yielding more and more progressively to the help and to the leadership of the Holy Ghost, the one who, who helps you to achieve and accomplish things. So, so to speak, we're not totally in control. Glory to God. The Bible makes us understand that, that God is actually our leader. And because he's our leader, we need to follow his lead. So that means we cannot, we cannot be in total control. Amen. Glory to God. So what, what I'm trying to say this morning is that we need to begin to relinquish that control of our lives progressively to our senior partner. We need to relinquish that control. Amen. You know, and it's a bit of a tough thing for a lot of people. It's a difficult thing for some people to do. And you can't really blame them much. You know, maybe from a very young and early age, they've 
taking responsibility for their life. Probably they were even the ones that sent themselves to school. Probably they were the ones that were responsible for a lot of the things that happen in their life. So they, they are not used to, to, to having to jaw jaw with somebody else in taking decisions. They are very used to being alone and taking decisions on their own. And so when you, when you talk to them about the concept of relinquish, relinquishing control, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing. But I dare say it is something that every believer must learn to do because it is really, really required. Glory to God. And part of that process of relinquishing or relinquishing control over our lives involves that concept of dying to self. You know, that concept of of dying to self. Dying to self is one of the ways you can progressively, you know, relinquish that level of control that we have over our own lives. Amen. Now, have you observed something that dead people or dead men, they have no personal reputation to, try, to, to attempt to protect. Dead people don't have re any reputation to protect. Dead people also do not have any feelings. <laughs> they don't feel anything. Dead people don't have egos. You know, their egos don't count at all. You know, dead people don't need to deploy any defense mechanisms to protect themselves from emotional hurts. Have you observed that a dead man doesn't feel anything? <laughs> Glory to God. Dead people have no fears. Dead people have no worries. Dead people have no anxieties. You know, dead people find themselves in a situation where external circumstances don't bother them. It's almost like uh, when we say someone is dead to self, it's almost like you getting into a state of almost complete nonchalance where what is happening all around you, what is happening within your space does not agitate you, does not stress you because you're, you've, you, 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 you are literally immune to those things. But you find out that people who are quote-unquote dead find themselves having to depend a lot more on, on praying. Amen. You know, they focus on the word and particularly on their new creation realities. Amen. Prayer. They focus on prayer. Have you observed that, you know, even in the place of prayer, you know, how the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 26, it says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. It says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself Make it intercession for the saints with groanings that cannot be altered. He said, he that knows the mind of the spirit knows what the will of God is because it makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. Have you observed that a lot of times when we pray in tongues, it's we're learning how to relinquish that control. You know, you want to pray in a particular way. You've, you've calculated everything. You've thought about what you're going to tell God. You've thought about how you're going to to communicate to God concerning that matter. But when you, when you yield to praying in tongues, have you observed that because 
because we're praying in tongues and the leadership uh, the leadership in prayer has been ceded to the Holy Ghost, you have to depend on what the Spirit wants to pray through your spirit. And so you find out that over time, progressively, even in the place of prayer, you learn to relinquish that control, that overwhelming, overbearing control. You know, especially people who are perfectionists, people who are, you know, cholerics, people who like to be prim, proper, everything in place. It's a tough call, I tell you. You want, they don't like, they don't like uh, surprises. You want to have planned everything. You want to have articulated everything. You want to have defined and determined everything. But I tell you in Christ, if you're going to benefit from the immense wealth in Christ, we have to learn to relinquish that control. We have to learn to die to self. So, you know, some other things that, um, that God was showing me when I was trying to prepare this message is that we find that many times we find ourselves also being wooed by God into another and more intimate and probably deeper level of fellowship and operation with him. But you see, but unfortunately, we tend to hold back. And if you look at it very critically, you find that the reason why people hold back is still this same thing of wanting to maintain control. You, want, you are thinking in your head, you are thinking in your mind, ah, if I, if, I, if I start to pray more like God expects me to pray, if I start to evangelize more, if I start to be in church a lot more, you know, coming for departmental meetings a lot more, if I join a department and I'm serving a lot more, won't I be drawn in, won't I be sucked in such that some of the things that I naturally like to do on my own, the things I love to do, I probably won't be able to do it. You see, you, 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 you think that you're going to lose control, that you're going to get sucked in. But my brother and my sister, I have news for you. It's time to let go. It's time to let go. Let God suck you in. Let God suck you in. Relinquish control over your own life. Go with the flow. Let God usher you into a greater level of, of, of operation. You know, just yield to him. Just yield to him. Let him usher you in. Let him usher you in. You know, I, it was very interesting. There was, there's, a, there's a friend of mine that I know who attends a redeemed church. And he was just telling me about, about his experience some years ago. He said, that after some time, you know, when they start to notice ah, that this brother is very active, this brother is very into church and all that, before long, you know, they start to draw you into some kind of leadership positions. You start to do trainings, you start to do different things. Before long, whether you like it or not, you just find yourself, they may just tell you, you guys go and start another branch of, of the church, like a daughter church somewhere. And, and you know, in actual fact, he, he freaked out. <laughs> he actually, he freaked out because in his mind, he wasn't ready for that level of commitment, you know? So I was just telling him, I said, I said, bros, you see, you think that God will invest in you 
and put all that he has put in you so that you just go and waste somewhere. No, God is, God is not like that. God is a very, very smart investor. <laughs> you know, all of the people he brings your way, all the influences, the experiences you've, you've, you've encountered, all the people he, he has brought your way that has spoken over your life, taught you, showed you how to, how to live, how to experience your new creation realities. You think God will just invest all of that so that you can just sit down somewhere and just, and just allow other people just to be ministering to you. I say, could it work? It doesn't work like that. You know, that once, once, when God starts to woo you in like that, it's because he has a great plan for you. And a lot of people just think that, and eh, once I do that, then some of my own ambitions, some of the things I want to do, you know, they may no longer be possible. Because you've had, you've had your life all planned out. You've thought about all the things you want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you're like, ah, this is going to get in the way. But my brother and my sister, don't, don't be afraid. When God sucks you in, when God woos you, when God tries to cut you like that, it's because he has a big plan for you. It's because he has big things you and him want to do together. Glory to his name. So let's take a, a closer look, you know. Let's take a closer look at that, that, that scripture in Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 3. The Bible says that ye are dead. Glory to God. It says you are dead. It says you are actually dead. <laughs> you died in Christ. Glory to God. The same sentiment was echoed in Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he put it this way. He says, you are crucified with Christ. Glory to God. He says, you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He now says, and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Glory to God. He says you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Glory to God. Our, our, our ability to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what gives us the platform to reign in life and to be full of dominion and full of productivity. Glory to his name. Hallelujah to Jesus. And if you read Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 1, let's, let's, let's go there. Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 1. I, I want us to read something that the Bible shows us there. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. <laughs> He's asking a question. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. So my question to you this morning, he says, are you risen with Christ? Are you risen with Christ? So if you are risen with Christ, what is expected of you? He says, seek the things that are above. Glory to God. Seek the things that are above. The Bible says, we should seek the things that are above. Let us leave this natural 
realm, this natural level of oppression, let's leave it behind. Just seek the things that are above. You know, you know, we need to act like like people that are truly dead to this earthly terrain and set our affections and our focus on what is our reality. We need to focus on our present day reality. Glory to God. Our reality is not in this earthly plane. It's actually in the heavenly plane. Glory to God. Our reality is in the, in the realm of the spirit in the heavenlies. Amen. Now, when I'm talking about you focusing on, on, on that which is above, you know, I'm not referring to you, or I'm not just implying that you should only have spiritual interests. That's not what I mean. I, I'm not saying that all you should do is just do spirit, 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 spirit. When it says you should focus on, on, on the heavenly, it's not saying that you should just have only spiritual interests, only things that are spiritual in nature. That's not what he's saying there. Of course, that is part of it, but that's not the total picture. What he's also saying is that we must view everything from the lens of the risen Christ. Glory to God. Everything must be seen from the standpoint of the risen Christ. You know, he says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. In verse 1, he says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. He says, seek those things that relate to where Christ seated on the right hand of God. That's talking about the finished work of Christ. That's talking about the work of redemption. That you should view everything from the lens, from the goggles of the finished work, the redemptive work of Christ. Glory to God. That's what it means. That means you should see everything from the standpoint of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So, so wherever you are, your, 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 your health, your prosperity, your finances, your, your, even your career, you should view everything from the standpoint of what Christ has done and perfected in, in, in redemption. Glory to his name. And you see, guess what? Verse 4 tells you that there's a reward for that. There's something that is an offshoot of doing that. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ is appearing every day. Every day in our situations and circumstances. And when we align ourselves with him, what we see demonstrated is glory. What we see demonstrated is glory, glory, glory. The excellence of God, the power of God, the, the awesomeness of God is what we see unveiled and revealed every single time. You see, no matter how ferocious a lion is, you know that that lion cannot affect a bird <laughs> or kill a bird as long as the bird is operating in the air, as long as the bird is flying in the air. No matter how ferocious a, a lion is, you may think I have more energy, I have more power, I can tear you to shreds. But if the bird just stays in that, in that plane, where is above, you know you will always gain ascendancy over what 
the lion can do. Folks, let us operate at a higher plane. Let's stop operating at this lower plane. This lower plane reduces our capacity. This lower plane reduces our ability to demonstrate the excellence and the beauty of God. Let's operate at a higher level. Operating at a higher level implies that we need to die to self and progressively give expression to everything that Christ has done, won, and perfected for us in redemption. Glory to God. And it's going to involve us having to walk upon our minds, deal with our, our thinking processes. The Bible makes us understand in, in Matthew, chapter 6 and verse 31 in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34 and Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 he says for us to take no thought of our lives what we will eat what we will drink what we will wear do you know that those are some of the things that that make us get into that mode of wanting to maintain and not relinquish control over our lives we're thinking how are we going to do how what are we going to eat what are we going to wear our livelihood where is the next meal going to come from? You know, those things are the things that seemingly distract us and make us feel a, a compulsion to want to maintain that control. But the Bible says, let go. It says, take no thought of it. When you operate on the level or the plane or the terrain where God is in charge and in control, you find out that a lot of all those things we bother ourselves about, a lot of all those things we want to continue to retain possession of. <laughs> God takes care of them on our behalf. He shows us what to do. He leads us in the way that we will go. He guides us. Those things that create fears, those things that create worries, those things that create anxieties, God has a way of helping us to accomplish them. It says, take no thought also of what you shall say. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 19, you know, sometimes you are in a situation and you're like, what do I say? What do I do? You know, sometimes when you want to go and preach too, because you want to be in control of what you say and everything, you don't let go. Sometimes if you want to do a good job of preaching, you have to learn to let go. We have to learn to let go. You just trust God that when you open up your mouth, he will fill it with words. He will tell you what to say. When you are going for that interview, when you are going for that business negotiation, trust him enough that he will, he will give you the right words to say. It's all about dying to self. That's what we mean when we talk about dying to self. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Bible makes us understand in Luke chapter 9 and in verse 24, Luke chapter 17 and in verse 33, and Mark chapter 8 and in verse 35. It says that whosoever tries to save his own life shall lose it. But when we lose our lives, for his sake, he says, we shall save it. Anybody that tries <laughs> to save his own life, <laughs> you will lose it all. The Bible says, verily, verily, I say unto you in John chapter 12 and verse 24, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abided alone. But if it dies, instead it produces much fruit. Can you see that? Can you see the secret to extreme productivity? It's about dying to self. It's about letting go and letting God. It's about trusting him more. It's about yieldedness. It's about allowing him flow. Let God suck you in, my brother and my sister. 
Let God pull you in into greater levels of fellowship. Let God pull you in so that you're not just hearing about him or seeing him, but you're looking upon him. You're handling the word of life. Glory to God. Let God drag you into, into a depth of fellowship that, 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 that brings you into a reality and a consciousness of who you are and what he has done for you in redemption. Let him pull you in. Let him make you operate above and beyond this natural plane and terrain so that you can win and have dominion and rule upon the earth. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as your word has gone out this morning, may it create a reaction in the spirits of men. May it help us to progressively learn to die to self, to become more yielded to you so that your plans and your purpose for our lives, you can actualize them and fulfill them in partnership with us. We thank you, Father, for all the resources to do your bidding. They are supplied to us. We will hear what you will have us do, and we will follow you with obedience. And as we do so, we'll make a, an outstanding success of our lives. Thank you, dear Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Go ahead and have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.